You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. Hey, it's Michael Pound here, helping you control pain so that pain doesn't control you. And my guest today is Kate. She's a founder of Root & Revel, which is an awesome food and wellness site delivering inspiration to help people live naturally without the sacrifice. See, she gets it. After reversing her PCOS and leaky gut with food, she started a blog to share what she had learned. And she believes that food can heal, but it doesn't mean that You have to eat bland chicken and steamed broccoli, although I love steamed broccoli. Now, her focus is on infusing beauty, flavor, and celebration into everyday life and helping readers strike the balance between good and good for you. So please help me welcome founder and Root and Revel, Kate. All right. Good morning, Kate. Welcome to the show today. I'm happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Hey, so you've got quite a story about healing, and I'm really excited to share that with my listeners. But before we get to that... I want to know a little bit about your background and how you got into blogging. I mean, I'm sure when you were growing up, you didn't think, I'm going to be a blogger when I grew up, right? No, definitely not. I mean, blogging wasn't even a thing. The internet was barely around. Um, (laughs) But yeah, even up until, you know, three years ago, I never wanted to be a blogger. So it was definitely kind of a surprise twist in my career. Basically, um, yeah, I mean, writing for the blog and managing it means a lot of time spent at the computer. There's also a lot of photo shoots and interviews and things like that where I'm not necessarily sitting at my desk. Um, but definitely more so than any other job I've had, it's, it's a lot of solitary office work. <laughs> Yeah, it's not quite as sexy as most people think. I mean, people see the final product, but behind the scenes, it's kind of a little messy. I know with what I do, it's, you know, if people saw my desk right now, they would, it's definitely not what they picture. I guarantee that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, um, you know, convenient things about it, like not having to get dressed if you don't want to um, and staying in your pajamas all day, but that's definitely not glamorous. And uh, yeah, it's so much more work than I ever imagined. When I first started it, I thought like, you know, just kind of write a post, snap a few photos on your iPhone, flop it up there. Like it it should take up less than an hour. And the reality is it takes many, many hours to do just a single post, especially when you add in professional photography. And I'll have to say, I've been through your blog, and I highly encourage people to go there. We'll get into that again in a moment, um, because you've got a great blog. It's well laid out, and a lot of great information there about eating healthy and making good lifestyle changes. And so let's get into that a little bit. First of all, how did you? what's your personal journey on how you got here to uh, basically have a, a food blog? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, that's very kind of you to say. And um, yeah, my personal journey, to make a long story short, I went to journalism school. I always knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, I graduated and pretty quickly started freelancing full time and um, did that for about eight years. And my focus was food and travel. Um, so I spent eight years eating my way around the world. And it was amazing. I mean, it was a dream job of mine for sure. And, and for many people I know, and, um, 
you know, to your point, not everything is as glamorous as it seems, but it was definitely had, you know, a lot of perks. Um, so I did that for a long time and then I started going through some health issues and as I started working to resolve those, I kind of found the holistic and integrative side of health and medicine and um, was just blown away by the transformation I saw in my body, um, especially after years of trying to heal it the conventional way. And so along with a few other things going on in my personal life and just career aspirations and that kind of thing, I decided to start a blog to share what I had learned because I felt like it wasn't being talked about as much. I mean, it's still kind of under the radar, much more so, much less so, I should say now. But three years ago when I started Root and Rebel, you know, I feel like when I said things like, food heals. Most people were like, no, medicine heals. Um, so it, it was, it was an interesting, um, time, I guess. And now that's what I do full time. I, I started it by, um, just working on it kind of part-time and freelancing part-time and then slowly ended up phasing out the freelancing. And now I am just doing the blog and, um, so that's part of why I said, you know, I never wanted to be a blogger because I was a journalist for so long. And I sort of had this stigma about bloggers because anybody can be one. Anyone can have a blog. There's a lot of people that don't do it with integrity. And I mean, that's true of any job, of course. But I think I had this bad idea in my mind of what it meant to be a blogger. And um, there were a lot of people that showed me that that was not necessarily the case. And, and now I'm, I'm super happy running the blog and helping people um, heal their bodies. How was your, your college days dinners, uh, maybe same or different than, than others? Yeah. I mean, I was like many college students. I mean, freshman year I was on the meal plan, so I didn't cook at all. We lived in the dorms and just went to the, um, Gosh, what do you even call it? Where the cafeteria or whatever they um, called where you where you ate. I went to UGA, so it was actually an awesome. They have an amazing food program. But um, after I moved out of the dorms and into an apartment, um, my girlfriends and I that I roomed with, there was four of us and five of us on our last year. And each week, one of us was responsible for like family meal. So we all loved to cook. We you know always had the Food Network on at our house and. Um, so that was really fun to have kind of like a, a new experience and everybody has their own, you know, traditions and ways of eating. And like one of our roommates was Korean. And so she made us some amazing food that none of us had ever tried before. And um, so I think it was probably a little better than most college kids. Um, but I definitely ate my fair share of fast food and junk and, you know, wasn't um, as conscious nearly I mean, very far from it, how I am now. So now as a foodie, how do you balance clean eating and eating flavor-rich food? Well, I, I, it's a good question because I really think that the two are not mutually exclusive. Um, I think the ingredients that add the most flavor to foods actually are the, the healthiest. Um, so that would be lots of herbs and spices and fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, those things are much more flavorful than flour. Um, so I would say that 
the one of the ways I balance it is just by incorporating as many of um, herbs, spices, and produce as I can into my diet because that adds the most flavor and it's the best for you. Um, but I also am very much aware of um, just having a balance in my life in general. And I, I believe there's room for all food in a balanced diet. And um, so I don't exclude any food groups or ingredients entirely from my diet. I still, you know, sometimes have Chick-fil-A even, or sometimes um, like if I, if I'm at a party or something like I'll eat what's being served, I'm not going to be one of those people that brings my own meal or um, that kind of thing. And I just, I really enjoy food so much. And I think it's important to not stress too much about excluding everything from your diet. So I really just try to focus on getting as much good in and then kind of by proxy, you eat less of the bad. Um, but I still give myself some treats every now and then as well. Well, I've definitely excluded bologna from my diet. And I know I, I apologize bologna. to any bologna lovers out there, but I will not eat bologna. That is excluded from my diet, whether it's healthy That's or unhealthy. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have not even thought about bologna in the, like, since I think I was packing school lunches in high school. <laughs> Do you ever get eye rolls when you mention anti-inflammatory diet? I have not personally received any eye rolls. Um, mostly I hear from people going, what is that? What does okay. that mean? Still, still you have yeah. people who are asking what this is. Okay, let's go. So let's go into that. What is your kind of definition of anti-inflammatory diet and how do you use that? Well, at a simple level, you know, I think there are, there are some foods that um, reduce inflammation and others that increase inflammation. And so eating an anti-inflammatory diet for me is, eating more of those foods that reduce inflammation and less of the foods that increase it. And so, again, this comes back to I don't cut anything out 100%. Um, I just feel like mostly aside from food allergies, that's not a sustainable way to live. Um, so I really just focus on eating as many of those anti-inflammatory foods as possible and just nourishing my body um, with food that way. And I don't know if that answers your question. I'm sure your reader or your listeners know um, probably the basics of what inflammation is and and why it's important to reduce inflammation in your body. Except for bologna, we're on agreement. Bologna is out. Yeah, bologna's out. Okay, noted. <laughs> <laughs> How do you differentiate maybe um, something that? is say a fad or actually has some backing to it, some, some legitimate um, results, science backed, uh, I guess, uh, emphasis on, on what you're writing about. Yeah. Well, I think part of this is where my journalism background comes in because I'm used to having to cite my sources and make sure that I am using legitimate sources. Um, so I never would just say, I mean, I think there is a place for anecdotal evidence, but um, when I am writing a post and recommending or not recommending something, I'm always looking for the actual evidence and facts behind it rather than just, you know, what some random person on the internet says or might have experienced. Um, and I also really use my personal experience. So on the flip side of that and going back to the anecdotal evidence, you know, I can just say, this is what worked for me. And this is what I tried and what I did and what worked and what didn't and just share that. So I'm not necessarily 
guaranteeing that anybody that does this will have the same result. Obviously, our bodies are all different. You know, they process and metabolize food differently. And um, what works for one person may not work for another. But I feel like when I use my, my personal story in conjunction with, you know, actual studies and facts and science, then we have a, a better, um, more credible advice rather than just, you know, I do think that food is so much more common sense than a lot of the fads try to make it. And like, I know my mom was doing the keto diet earlier this year. And when she would tell me about some of the things, it just was like any diet that discourages eating vegetables seems crazy to me. Like, how could we nobody is getting fat to make too many vegetables. Um, so I think I, I kept trying to say to her for other things too, you know, she was having a coffee in the morning that had coconut oil, butter, and heavy. Pick one, maybe. I think healthy fats are good to have, but that seems like a crazy amount of fat to have first thing in the morning. And then you can eat zucchini. Um, right. <laughs> so I just kind of went back to say, like, I just think food is much more common sense and that at the end of the day, we really know what we're supposed to do and how we should eat. Um, sometimes we don't want to accept that fact and we're looking for that magic bullet or that secret trick. You know, I know that's the case for my mom a lot of times. And, um, I just go back to like, no, Nobody can agree on whether gluten or grains or soy or dairy is 100% good or bad. There's a, you know, different diet touting to exclude, you know, each of those. But the one thing that it seems like all doctors and scientists can agree on is that fruits and vegetables are good for you. And so I just try to eat as many of those as I can. Now, from your research and, and your experience with writing about food, would you say that nutrition is different uh, for men and for women? Uh, I focus so much on women's health, so I'm certainly not an expert on, on men's. I'm not sure that I could really answer that with any authority, but I, I know that obviously men's, men have different needs. So I'm sure that there's on a macro level, you know, different needs for how much protein, fat, fibers, that kind of thing, each person, each gender needs. So my husband and I have been together for 10 years now. And in the beginning, he was one of the pickiest eaters I'd ever met. And I quickly was like, well, that's not going to work. So we're going to break this and you're going to start eating good food because you're missing out on so much joy. And so he was actually really open to it. Um, you know, I think he had sort of the childhood of like kids eat kid food and it was lots of, I mean, he, his diet consisted mostly white foods. It was like pizza and chicken tenders and fish sticks and pasta and, you know, all these refined carbs basically. Um, and I did not grow up eating that way. And, but he was never forced to try anything. You know, if he tried it once when he was three years old and said, Oh, I don't like that. Then that was it. Then he was never going to have to eat it again. And so I was like, just try things, you know, let's just start eating some different foods and see what you think you're allowed to not like it, but who knows, maybe your taste buds have changed in the last 20 years. So, um, he did. And it turned out that he, liked pretty much everything that he thought he hated. 
And so we were definitely very adventurous eaters for a long time. But then as my diet kind of shifted into more of an anti-inflammatory way of eating, um, I don't feel like there was a lot of resistance on his part, mostly because I've always done all of the cooking in our house. So it was sort of like, you'll just eat what you're served. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or you can make your own, but he doesn't know how to cook and, you know, doesn't care to. So, um, and like I said, you know, I really believe that clean eating and flavorful, delicious eating aren't mutually exclusive. So I was never dressed like baking a chicken breast and serving it with steamed broccoli and saying, here's dinner. You know, everything that I made was still, I had this restaurant background and um, everything was still delicious. So I, I feel like most of the food that I served, he didn't even necessarily know, oh, this is healthy. He just thought this is what we're eating for dinner and it's good. So, and that and that's good. Yeah, and he, and you're 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 expecting right uh, in yes. September. That's right. Yeah. So congratulations, and this will be another male in the house. So I I as yeah. a father of four boys, you know I can I can definitely tell you there's going to be a wide spectrum <laughs> of, yeah. of of needs. And my wife, my poor wife, here she is. She could be cooking for five pallets at, at one time. And oh uh, it did definitely did get to the point where, you know, she would cook something and maybe one of the kids would say, no, I don't want to eat that. And so we really got into the ritual behind getting them involved, like you said. And I think that created more of a, you know, I'm proud of what I made. You know, I want to eat it versus, you know, like yeah. these kids, they'll go crazy over broccoli, which is, you know, I've said that before is, is is kind of unique um, when they're demanding that they they're fighting over broccoli just because mom made it a certain way. Um, but I think that that's right. really the key is not forcing things, but making it a little more you know easy to come by and creative and and adding those natural flavors and spices. Yeah, and and even taking that a step further and growing your own food. I feel like that's I know this is my first child, so I can't speak with experience personally, but. I know that a lot of the schools we've toured and that kind of thing that they're adding, um, you know, on-site gardens for the kids because when they learn how to grow a carrot and pull it from the ground and what it looks like and everything, they're so excited to eat it. And so that's another good way, I think, too, to get your kids to expand their, their palates. So speaking of getting pregnant, was that something that came easy for you? Yeah. So... I was diagnosed with PCOS um, and hypothyroidism back in, let's see, I want to say 2014, I believe. Um, And so my hormones were all out of whack. And this was part of the health issues I referenced earlier that I was having. And I had crazy symptoms and, you know, irregular cycles. And it was, I was just a mess, honestly. And so I wasn't ready to have kids anytime soon. Uh, in fact, my husband and I had just gotten married um, that August. And so we were, you know, not even thinking about babies, but I knew that one day I would want to, and that it would be really important to have my hormones be balanced and in a good place. You know, a lot of doctors told me, well, with PCOS, you're probably going to really struggle with getting pregnant and, you know, you may not even be able to conceive. So it was always in the back of my mind. I had this 
big fear for sure that I was going to be infertile and, you know, that when the time came, it was just not going to happen for me. But I spent the next, you know, three, two, two, three years, I guess, um, really working to heal my body and balance my hormones and get my thyroid in check. And so when we did decide to have a baby, that was at the end of 2017 around Christmas. And we said, okay, I think we're ready. Let's give this a try. And we got pregnant on the first, first go. So we were very fortunate. Um, but I do think that it, I wouldn't have been able to, if I hadn't spent all that, those years working to heal my body. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show as well, is I know I have some listeners who kind of struggle with that. They're worried that maybe their pain or the issues that they're dealing with are too much, and they're not sure if they should you know, try to get pregnant because they're worried about taking care of another human being if they have problems taking care of themselves. But you say you were able mm-hmm. to kind of naturally be able to overcome a lot of those things, and you kind of documented that journey on your blog, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I would say I was about 75% healed when I started the blog. And, you know, I still had some lingering issues. And so the first year of having the blog, I was still kind of working through some things and, and documenting that. And not to say that my health is perfect now by any means, but um, I feel like I, I really did end up healing and reversing a lot of the issues that I had. And so for the last couple of years, I've just been in a really good place health-wise. Well, that's good to hear. So do you have a supplement routine? What What do you do to kind of keep yourself in check? Yeah, definitely. There, Especially in the beginning, there were a lot of supplements that I tried, um, some of which did nothing for me. Others were total game changers. And um, so that was... It's definitely a trial and error process, I think, and figuring out what does work for you and what makes you feel best. Um, but part of my healing was that basically every three to six months, three months probably more so in the in the beginning, I would have a complete hormone blood panel run where I would look at everything from estrogen and progesterone to like a complete thyroid panel, not just TSH. Um And so I would look at all of these with my doctor and then we would say, okay, here's what your blood work is showing. And then combined with the symptoms you're having, let's try to see what happens. And um, so it started off, I was on a lot of different supplements, like sometimes upwards of, you know, maybe 10 um, at a time. And then slowly as my body was healing and things were getting back into um, gear and my diet was improving and all of this kind of stuff. Um, I kind of started dropping them. And so before I got pregnant, I was probably just taking, um, I took a multivitamin that was specific for thyroid health. Um, and then I took a probiotic and fish oil. And I feel like that might be it at the end. And of course, being pregnant, that changed things a bit. But um, there was definitely a lot of other supplements, maca and Vitex and Inesitol. And um, there were there, there were a lot of different supplements that helped me when I was um, evening primrose oil. That was another one. Dim, when I was working to reverse my PCOS. 
Now, if we were to take a peek into your medicine cabinet, what would we see there? Oh, I have like a little cart in my bathroom that has all of my supplements on it. And I think the thing that would probably be most surprising to people is that there's no prescription medication and there's no um, like conventional over-the-counter stuff. You know, like I don't take Tums or antacids or um, things that most people probably would expect to see in their medicine cabinet. So mine is, there's dozens of different supplements in there. Um, things to balance hormones, things to reduce inflammation, um, you know, things to vitamins to support your thyroid. There's dozens of, of bottles in there for sure. Cool. So let's, let's get a little, a little more personal here. What's the last processed food you can remember eating? Um, well, I did have Chick-fil-A for dinner last night. So that Chick -fil -A. would definitely count. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I have to admit, during my pregnancy especially, I have eaten my fair share of Chick-fil-A for sure. <laughs> All right. So if people want to find more about you or uh, learn more about how you've kind of overcome these problems, where would you tell people to go to? Um, definitely head over to rootandrebel.com. That's um, the name of my blog. And there's a Start Here page that's a really good resource. Um, you know, currently, we're actually in the middle of a redesign um, for the blog, so I'm not sure if it'll be done by the time this airs. But um, currently, the blog is set up in, kind of in chronological order. But um, if you go to the Start Here page, that's a really helpful place to get started just to hear more of my story and kind of cover the basics of what we're all about and find links to those kind of um, cornerstone pieces of content about, you know, how to, how to eat well, how to reverse certain health conditions, um, my favorite natural products, um, that kind of thing. So I think that's a good place for people to start. And if you could give one word of advice or one, um, maybe some one glimmer of hope to my listeners who maybe are struggling with some of these problems and wondering, you know, where to turn next, what would you tell people? It is possible and you don't have to completely turn your life upside down. I mean, I definitely made a lot of changes, but I did it slowly and over time. And like I said, I don't feel like I have to sacrifice a lot, especially in terms of flavor. Um, so, but I thought, you know, three or four years, just like, oh, I'm never going to feel better. My only choice is to go on this medication with all these terrible side effects and it's not even really working. And um, it's just really not the case. You can really do so much good for your body just with simple food and holistic remedies. Well, Kate, it's been fun having you on the show today. I hope you know, my listeners get a lot of information. Do visit your blog again. It's a beautiful blog. Check out your videos. Connect with you on Facebook. And, um, and again, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com.